0: birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday to you.
1: Well. Yikes.
0: So we've all done that before, but not when we're leading the song, right? How many times have we been in a group setting? At least I'll speak for myself and you're singing happy birthday. If you're even singing out loud, you don't know the person's name. You say happy birthday, dear. Because you don't know the name.
1: How many birthday parties are you crashing? Where you go to a birthday party and you don't know their name?
0: I've crashed a wedding in New Orleans. Oh, my goodness. At Christmas time. It was his. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And what's really... And listen.
1: What was the name? What were we supposed to be saying? Do we know?
0: Uh, It is the uh, name of Martin Luther King's daughter-in-law, which...
1: I couldn't even tell what he was trying to say.
0: Uh... In this event, it's, it's just so bad. And Biden, I wondered this too. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. He's one of those rules when you take classified, top secret documents home and you put them in the garage. You lock the door. Does Jill have that rule, Joe? Uh, and then shortly after, I wondered, he, after he got done singing, forgot the name of who they're uh, one of the folks they're honoring at this Martin Luther King event. He forgets the name. Uh,
1: Which, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Brandon. That is totally something you would do. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I would never lead... If I'm leading a birthday song, uh, I would bet uh, a <laughs> month's worth of your salary that I would know that name. Uh, but I would never lead <laughs> people in the singing of Happy Birthday. have a horrible singing voice, and I forget the words. I don't know all the words to uh, the Happy Birthdays. Uh,
1: I think it was Andrea Waters King... I think he said val- Valet or
0: Valerie. Uh,
1: Not even close.
0: Happy birthday, dear Valerie. <laughs> uh, I think I got it right. Listen, there's a an, uh, 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 moniker, and anybody, Marsh and Houseworth have been doing this longer than I have. If you don't know the name, like if you're doing a news story and you're talking about some leader from a European country or a hockey player that's got, uh, if you're going to mispronounce the name, you mispronounce it with confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what you do. You mispronounce it with confidence. Edit or, the copy, or that's... you change the copy. I don't know how to pronounce the Tur- the capital of Turkey. Uh,
2: it's pronounced the capital of Turkey. That's how you pronounce that one. The uh, and certainly, I I think what happened there is you could tell the president was right before he announced the name. You could tell he was hesitant. He was hesitant. It it, it was. I'm not not being being critical. Because you could tell he he was... The thing, too, I would say, I would add something else on pronouncers, where John and I can run into difficulty is sometimes especially with a, a name that's not a prominent person but a citizen, sometimes listeners will give us multiple pronunciations so that can happen too
1: do you ever also like throw it to the other guy in the box with you like you don't know so you're like hey brandon because when i don't know someone's name in public i say oh hi and i enter i'm like this is my friend brandon and then i wait for them to say their name
0: stephanie and i have this system as a matter of fact all (laughs) my friends we have this system and i tell them yeah anybody who knows they know and we're out public. i say hey listen if somebody comes up and says, hey, Brandon, how you doing? If I don't know their name, uh, I will say to them, hey, this is my friend Stephanie. And, and then
1: they'll go, oh, hi, I'm Julie.
0: And then, yeah, and then Stephanie will say, yeah, and what's your name? Works every yeah. time, doesn't it?
1: Right. But do you do that in, like, sports announcing? Are you like, I don't know this guy's name. I'm going to throw it to John.
2: Number 44. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, on the Learfield scoreboard shows, it's impo- – I mean, sometimes it'll be an obscure player that will – it, 95% of our people that I recognize, but every once in a while, somebody will score that might be a third string player happens to be in. But if I'm not sure, I'm going to hear what the play by play guy says before I before I use that. I mean, you just you, you don't want to mispronounce a name if at all possible, but it can happen.
0: Or here's another example. Like somebody says, well, what was the name that the president was trying to say there when he sang happy birthday to the niece of uh, Martin Luther King? And I don't know the name. I
1: I just say whatever. You know, I will say, whenever I have to read the liturgy, I'm always like, please don't give me any people or places. Like, the worst are the scriptures where they do the family lineage and i'm like i don't want
2: <laughs> The be- the, <laughs> yeah, begats exactly the begats, exactly
1: that <laughs> yes oh. i i always hope that 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 is not my week abraham, when it-
2: abraham was the father and there's there one gospel passage literally yes. it's like 10 minutes and this guy was the father of this guy and there are names in there that are very difficult to pronounce yes. when
1: it comes to the bible nobody else knows how to pronounce it so if you just say it quickly and with confidence no one's well, going question the it.
0: guy brandon knocked off the stage might know but uh, that's that. true <laughs> oh by the way so that pastor so when i we did the governor's prayer and tomorrow by the way special um uh tomorrow randy tobler show great show he's here mm-hmm. every afternoon four to six he's going to be giving analysis tomorrow governor parson is going to be delivering our state of the state a uh, address and this is uh, some key things with oh it's just another speech but john you think about in the years that you've been covering state of the state speeches there are some important things that always come out of these
3: state worker pay is a big one in a company town like jefferson city in columbia that's a big one and it he ended with us
0: that day brian that yep before he made the <laughs> the formal announcement of an eight point nine
2: percent i think Raised for state employees, he, he ended strongly at the un, prayer un, breakfast. That's unheard of, 8.7%. And that's the other correct. thing he's going to talk about, we know, is funding for Mizzou.
0: So we'll have uh, tomorrow, Randy Tobler, You're going to break it down for you from 4 to 6. So uh, prayer breakfast that we did yeah. almost two weeks ago. I think you've heard this story. I fell off the stage at the prayer breakfast at the end of the event. Took a pastor, a uh, pastor that uh, he's from a church in Waynesville. I reached out to him and said, hey, because Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I have a tendency to sometimes uh, exaggerate.
1: Yes, especially on air. <laughs> and so
0: I reached out to this pastor. I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry," and all that. I said, "Will you go back to? Because you can watch our show on YouTube. You go to the Wake Up Mid Missouri YouTube channel, and you can watch." I said, "Go, go to this show on this date at this time, and please watch the the way I told the story. Does it match up with your recollection of it?" He responded. And not only did he respond with whether or not he felt I was being accurate, he's, he said he'd come on the show. Wow. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> he said he'd come on the show, and we could run it through the uh, through the Ministry of Truth here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Welcome to the show, Brian Housworth, John Marsh, producer Hannah. There is Stephanie Bell. She is prepping for the Daily DC Rundown. That's coming up five minutes from now. My Well, ten minutes from now. My name is Brandon Rathard. If there is something that we can do for you, 874 Ninety three ninety-eight seven four ninety-three ninety You know what we need to do, John? We need to see if the pastor cleared the NFL concussion protocol yet, is what we probably need to do. I would have loved to have been at his sermon the Sunday following the prayer breakfast. Like did he did he still have butterflies swirling around his head?
1: Sometimes people try to drag you down and you've gotta get back up. <laughs> he could have done a whole sermon on
0: it. So yeah, he's willing to come on the uh show. Hannah, can we create, do you know, if we go to kwos.com or 939 theeaglecom can we create a dashboard? Like, every time that there's more classified documents found in Biden's possession, we could create, like, a A a, counter a, a dashboard like we did for COVID.
1: Are you asking if we could or if I could?
0: I don't really want to do it. I guess mostly, is it possible? I mean, I suppose it's
1: possible.
0: And so, like, every time there's another document found... You just add one to the board. Are we talking Let's documents? check the clicker.
1: Yeah, and are we talking documents or pages? Because we've seen some weird stuff going on between how we characterize right. what's found.
0: And I don't want to do what about ism here, but I will mention it to highlight the disgusting ways national news outlets have been uh, carrying this. Remember whenever they were talking about the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago? Remember how many times I said, well, but this is how many pages? Remember that? Nope because It's doing.
1: different.
0: <laughs> but it's, it's different. I love that excuse. And by the way, the it's different argument, it's still, well, we're a week into this thing, man, and it's not changed. Dave Jolly, uh, former Republican congressman from Florida, uh, on
2: MSNBC. Joe Biden, based on what we know now, and that's an important caveat, as an example of how a president or elected official should handle a matter in which they discover that.
0: That's how you do handle it. You don't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody before the election, despite the fact that you campaigned on honesty and openness and transparency. This guy goes on to national TV and lies. This is exactly how you handle
2: that. They're in possession of documents. In contrast to Donald Trump. no. There it is.
0: In contrast to Donald Trump, Uh, he's not
2: done. The failure by Joe Biden was this, Chris. It was simply communications 101. Oh, that's all. It was just communications. That, my bad.
0: President, remember, and that's the big, to Hannah's point. Different. The big difference is Joe Biden is a sitting president of the United States of America. The president of the United States of America lied to you, said, Well, I handle documents. I take them seriously. And then he lied by the fact of omission, especially prior to an election, by not telling us, despite the fact he was going to be open and transparent. I love the idea. Have a reader board. Have a have a a, a dashboard. Coming up, uh, Chris Arps is going to be joining us. He's got a piece been picked up by the Miami Herald. A pretty interesting piece, and it regard it's regarding the growth of Republican Party amongst certain um, minorities. And the other thing, national news outlets. I was stunned. I didn't see this in USA Today, CNN, MSNBC. And the reason I bring it up because USA Today, CNN and MSNBC, they love and forgive me for using this phrase, but they love stories about mass shootings. They love those stories, regardless of how minor or insignificant it could be. If it's four more people that are shot, they love they will run with those headlines for 48 mass shooting. So according to their definition, there was a mass shooting in Florida yesterday, eight people at the very least shot. But CNN and MSNBC and USA Today, uh, they're, they're not running with it, and I can't understand why. And I don't think it's fair to say, well, it's because it was at a Martin Luther King Jr. event. I don't think it's fair for me to say that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Chris Arps his opinion at 635. And also, by the way, I posted on social media yesterday.
1: I saw that. And I was like, are you okay?
0: That's how frustrated. I was and it had to do with uh, wait, uh, local news outlets and out, news outlets in Missouri have been covering the story. Some of the things coming up with Chris Arps. he's here at 635. Meanwhile, we're getting ready for the daily DC rundown. What do you have for us Steph?
1: Well, since a lot of the members of Congress are partying in Davos Get a battalion of about
3: 500 troops back on the battlefield in less than 8 weeks, primed with strategic skills, better weapons and modern machinery. Fox's Jonathan Savage, who's in
0: Europe this morning, daytime uh, thereafter afternoon uh there he is talking about training u s helping train Ukrainian troops in Germany. That's just kind of skimming the surface there. For more details, we go to Stephanie Battle. She has your daily D.C. rundown.
1: U.S. Army General Mark Milley is also in Germany. I'm not going to try to pronounce the training area, but they are there. He, It's actually, they're being very transparent. They're noting that um, they he uh, kind of took a tour with other media, letting folks kind of see what's going on. But the goal, yes, is to get 500 troops back on the battlefield, um, back to Russia. The training's set to last between five and eight weeks um and if you recall in the beginning there was a lot to do with are you going to pronounce it i'm going to try okay i'm
0: going to look for the word you go on and i'll see if i can figure it out (laughs) (laughs) Graphen. well i don't even i'm afraid Graphen war maybe
1: maybe so if you recall, the, the training initially was pretty limited. Now they've got, um, you know, all these folks in Germany. They said, you know, it, it's a training base that's been used to help train allies before, um, but not to this extent. It's being called a combined uh, arms instruction. Um, and uh, they're saying this is urgent times, it's going to be very helpful. Um, and so initially it was, it, the training was focused on really specific weapons systems. And now they're saying, no, it's expanded. They want to uh, figure out how to get a battalion sized unit into battle um to really uh give ukraine some aid so you know there's a lot of debate about how much the how much the u.s should be helping and this is i think a big big step
0: and i think that and that's the, the challenge like nope it's their business well then do we quit complaining about the cost of bread and gasoline to what extent do we help another neighbor especially when it's affecting us
1: Yes, and and so uh, the US uh, is also uh, meeting with Turkish foreign minister today. Um, and again, last year, as you just referenced, the Turkish government helped broker the deal uh, between Russia and Ukraine, allowing the grain to get out of the country. So Turkey's been very important in that conflict. Um, but again, there's been a lot of conflict between America and Turkey, and uh, specifically uh, Turkey's purchase of Russian-made missiles uh, led to sanctions against Turkey. Um, and so, uh, and of course, Turkey doesn't agree with the American support for Kurdish militants in Syria. So a lot, uh, a lot on the international stage this week. Also. So Biden's meeting with the Dutch prime minister. Um, he's going he's going to try to persuade the Netherlands to limit China's access to uh, semiconductors. Apparently, there's a huge uh, semiconductor manufacturer in, ne- in the Netherlands. And Biden's going to say, hey, let's let's work together and against China. Uh, no word on how persuasive Joe can be.
0: And this is where Steph and I cross our fingers because every time he deals with world leaders, you always get nervous. Like, how he he, he forgot who he was singing happy birthday to, uh, the niece of Martin Luther King yesterday. And now he's going to go deal with world leaders. Oh, my gosh.
1: And, yeah, we're relying on him on the international stage. It, it's not a good look for us. But uh, at the same time, it's not a good look for Joe here at home. Uh, of course, the Republicans are still talking about the documents. Uh Uh, James Comer was on the TVs this weekend saying we've got a lot of questions. Uh, I don't think I've seen any answers to those questions since uh, since he asked that question. Um, Of course, people have been talking about, hey, did you have any visitor logs at your house? So we know like who would have access to these documents. And he was like, nope, didn't keep those. So so. Uh,
0: and that's and that is also that's that's of concern. It it really is. You don't have those uh, those visitors logs. You don't know who was in. We don't know who could have potentially seen seen it.
1: I'm Becky Arps, and I am so excited that you get to experience a bit of the thoughts I hear every single day. Enjoy. Chris. Chris. Chris.
0: Chris. Christopher Arps joining us. C H R. Uh Cool piece picked up by the Miami Herald. Uh, but right now, uh, let's start here. Right now, we have eight people that we know of that are at the hospital um, that have been that were shot. Um, as of right now, there are none of them that are fatal. Uh, we do know of one that's in critical condition. So eight folks shot uh critical condition people are hurt this is as the definition goes and people like cnn and usa today and msnbc love to jump on it mass shooting regardless of how serious forgive me for using the word insignificant a shooting may be any chance those people msnbc cnn usa today any chance they get to use the phrase mass shooting they are on it front and center uh I'm on CNN this morning, I'm on MSNBC, I'm on USA Today, Last Check. None of those news outlets are doing a story on this. And I can't understand why. I want to bring in Chris Arps. Chris, how come in your mind, in your opinion, why are they not doing a story on on this this morning?
3: Uh, Familiar with the story of the clip that you played. Uh, You would think that with all the problems that Joe Biden is having right now with the documents and all of that, that they would want to have something uh, on the uh, front page and on the uh, beginning of the news uh, stories to to get that off the front pages. But I I don't know. That's a good question because, you know, abortion and gun control is the left's holy grail.
0: Can I offer this explanation? Uh, because it happened at a Martin Luther King celebration, is that maybe uh, why they're good. not front and front and center? All three of them is 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 that? And I'm just throwing it out there
3: as my opinion. I think that's exactly uh, what it is. You know, Martin Luther King uh, stood for nonviolence. That was uh, the thing that he used to for uh, to for societal change. And it uh, <laughs> kind of looks strange at a an event honoring a man who was about nonviolence. We have all of these shootings. So I think you hit it on the nail there, Brandon. Good job.
0: Well, and it's frustrating because we know, we know what the national news outlet, uh, how they run with things. And, and, and I just get more and more shocked because I think about these kids that are being pumped out of schools of journalism across America. And, of course, listen, Mizzou uh, School of Journalism, they have a reputation they have a reputation of being one of the finest schools of journalism in mm-hmm. all of, of, uh, of America, and they're pumping these people out, and they're, it's disgusting what they're doing, not covering stories like that. There was an anchor from, I think it was the Fox affiliate in St. Louis. We played some of her audio yesterday morning because she got snarky about this dress code. Debate about how much it was changing well, and they didn't debate the dress code for men and and I'm like you that that woman thinks that it's okay, and I don't know if I fault her or if I if I fault uh, our universities and schools for letting people think it's okay to do that when you are sitting there on a news desk Chris, I got so angry you know what I did yesterday <laughs> what'd you do? I posted on my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> And are what oh, I, you're pretty angry, huh? <laughs> I was pretty angry. I always mad. I just I don't get on to Facebook. I, I don't get on to Twitter. I just don't. But I posted on Facebook uh, to and I said to all of my radio colleagues anywhere here in America, especially radio colleagues that are in talk radio, any of these stories you see about this dress code uproar in Missouri is complete and utter BS. And it's frustrating <laughs> because that's that's the stuff we get, and people think all that, what they're seeing on the TV, reading the papers, they think it's true.
3: And I gotta admit, I, you know, the, the story didn't overly interest me, so I didn't follow it too closely. I did read about it. But it goes back to what we were talking about, uh, just a few minutes ago about how the Second Amendment and abortion, um, is the Democrats, the progressives, holy grail. And one of the, uh, state representatives, uh, Purdy from St. Louis here, uh, she made a comparison to this dress code, uh, thing to abortion. I was talking about men always, you know, don't want women to choose and blah, blah, blah. And now men are choosing uh, what women can wear uh, on the House floor. Just We went back to their holy grail. But as I said, I really haven't been following it all that closely, Brent, Can you uh, enlighten us on?
0: Well, Stephanie Bell, who's uh, obviously she's worked in the Capitol. She was uh, a legislative aide. She did a lot of stuff in Jefferson City. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, on the, and by the way, Chris... I got duped by the post-dispatch headline last, I got duped, bottom line.
1: Yeah, people are saying it's a new dress code. Uh, If you go back to past sessions, they've had this rule forever. It's part of the decorum and the respect for the institution. Uh, There's a dress code for men as well. Um, and here, as two women were like, "Hey, can we count like a cardigan as a blazer? Let's amend that so we can make the dress code more lax." And that's not at all what the uh, no. what the national media was all about. And, uh. the,
0: and they all ran with it. So I, th- that's the one. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I posted on Facebook prior to that. <laughs> but that was the thing
3: that got me out there, man. Uh, I'm glad, glad to see that
0: and now I'm going to compliment another uh, news outlet though for picking up one of your pieces this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri 93.9 The Eagle 1045 News Radio 950 KWOS Stephanie Bell is here, there's John March producer Hannah is here, my name is Brandon, uh, our friend joining us this morning, Chris Arp. you see him he was on Newsmax yesterday, so I want to talk about that because one of our friends saw you on Newsmax TV, ah, uh, also happens to host an afternoon show uh, in, uh, in St. Louis, but that That's not why he's on our show. He's on our show because he knows Missouri politics and because he's just uh, a a heck of a a decent guy. Miami Herald uh, has picked up a piece that you have written. And this has to do with certain minorities uh, shifting to the Republican Party. Bottom line this for us, Chris.
3: Yeah, it was a article that I wrote for Project 21, and they were syndicated through uh, inside sources. So it ran in about uh, eight or nine newspapers around the country. Miami Herald was one of them. Ironically, one of the papers that it ran in was uh, Becky's hometown paper in Bradford. Pennsylvania. We got a big uh, kick out of that. But I wrote it uh, in response to uh, yesterday being Martin Luther King uh, Day, talked about all of the great progress that we've made uh, as African Americans and as Americans in general towards uh, racial equality. But I also showed that uh, in those times since Martin Luther King was assassinated, uh the black community has gone backwards uh, economically and culturally. There are statistics from the government that show that. And because of that, we've seen since 2020 uh, a shift in black voters towards the Republicans. Uh, Donald Trump received 20 percent of the African-American male vote in 2020 and 2022 governor kemp of georgia um he doubled his black uh, percentage of the vote and we've seen that in other areas and i think the reason why that is because of crime and because of education and you remember during the pandemic when all of the parents were uh going to the school board meetings and were learning that crt was being taught at their schools A lot of those parents were African-American parents, and we saw them on the nightly news railing against their school boards. And not surprisingly, uh, the biggest demographic that is involved in homeschooling right now is African-American. And the other reason I think we're seeing that change is because of crime, and we've talked about it, just how bad it is, especially in the inner cities. You have uh, prosecutors like Kim Gardner here in St. Louis. believe that the police are the problem not the prosecutors or not the uh the criminals and unfortunately because of that lax attitude towards the towards crime and and against the police we're seeing uh crime rise in black neighborhoods and specifically and i think uh, african-americans are just getting tired of that and i think that's why uh you've seen them um vote more and more for republicans
0: As a matter of fact, I know you're familiar with Shelby and Eli Steele, and I'm also aware people might get tired of me uh, talking about this, because I've said it a million times, but I've said it a million times because to me it is that important. Shelby and Eli Steele, father-son duo, uh, 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 Steele Senior. He has like he's got like uh, uh, honors hanging around his neck for his work civil rights over the years. Shows up to Ferguson, Missouri. He's going to do a movie on uh, on how racism killed Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. The Steels show up, and Shelby Steele, who's been doing this for years, decorated for his work on civil rights, realizes. I can't do this movie. Racism killed Michael Brown. You know why? Because racism did not kill Michael Brown. And then the whole story with it getting yanked off of Amazon—just amazing. But here's mm-hmm. here's what uh, uh, he, he told me, Chris. And I know he has uh, said this. you. was one of the most profound things from a perspective that I find mm-hmm. incredibly uh, unique. And I want to share that. If we can, can, you hold for just like five minutes sure. and hang out with us a little, because I do want to share what he said. Because
3: bed and pleading that they put. Down the guns, stop the violence, stop the crime. It, I mean, you hurt so many people.
0: That's uh, the uh, grandmother of Michael Burns. He was the guy who was shot and killed over the weekend in Jefferson City. And by all accounts, just a super nice guy. You look at the photos; he's always smiling. But gee, and we and we see this a lot uh, after shootings happen. And I don't, I don't know uh, what the family is going through. I know I feel incredibly bad. Um, For them, And I appreciate them when they go on TV and say, hey, please put the guns down and quit shooting. Unfortunately, this happens several times a year. Uh, No matter what part of Missouri you're in, when there's a shooting, people will get together and they carry the signs, stop the shooting, stop the violence. Uh, And it doesn't uh, it doesn't work. And uh, Chris, Chris Arps, ChrisArps.com joining us. Great piece uh, that's been picked up by the Miami Herald and other newspapers nationwide. Uh, he's talking about the number of black people that are switching to the Republican Party. And this goes back to our conversation with Shelby and Eli Steele. You're familiar with them. One of the most <laughs> fascinating things i ever heard from Shelby Steele, decorated for his work as it relates to civil rights. And he, he said, uh, Democrats are the worst thing as a black man. He says, Democrats are the worst thing that's ever happened to black people. Uh, With social services programs. You can't do it. Let us do it uh, for you. Do you agree with Steele's take on that over the years, Chris?
3: I do. The Democratic Party and I have to say the civil rights organizations as well. The NAACP, the Urban League, all of those groups, the Southern Poverty Law Center, they have basically just become auxiliaries of the Democratic Party. And the Black Church and the Democratic Party are one. Look, I give all credit to LBJ and Martin Luther King and and Republicans uh, in the Senate, the moderate Republicans in the Senate that helped pass um, civil rights laws in the 1960s. It was a boon for African-Americans. Um, if it wasn't for those laws, my parents uh, wouldn't have gone to college, gained their degrees, um, entered the middle class and gave me the, the, the start and the upbringing that I have. But the Democrats have been the worst thing to, uh, to happen to, to black people because they've convinced black people that we cannot advance, we cannot move forward unless we are with them. And I've always said that that is such a short-sighted, um, solution because black people would have so much more power if they leveraged, uh, the relationship between Democrats and Republicans and make them compete for our vote. You know, I've said this many times, Brandon, is, Black people are in a catch-22 situation. We have one party that ignores us because they think they'll never get our vote, and the other party ignores us because they think they'll, they already have it. Mm. Uh,
0: Rocking a hard place, classic cl- uh, case. Chris Harp's one of our listeners, uh, happens to be a personal friend of mine, said he saw you on the Newsmax TV yesterday. What were you talking about on Newsmax
3: yesterday? You know what? Every segment, we did three segments, of course, and every segment uh, was the uh, Biden documents, Just talking about the hypocrisy uh-huh. of the Democrats trying to claim that these are two different things. Um, we talked about Chuck Todd yesterday interviewing or Sunday interviewing Senator Johnson uh, from Wisconsin uh, about this. And Chuck Todd having the audacity to say that he was a journalist. And we all practically spit out our coffee that day, uh, <laughs> that Sunday morning when he said that. But, yeah, the Biden documents, that's what we've talked about uh, overwhelmingly.
0: Uh, and it's it's not going away. More and more Dems coming out. I, I'm rather appreciating. I think it was Dave Jolly, uh, the, a former Republican congressman. Uh, From uh, from the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say I rather appreciate his take on being facetious.
2: Joe Biden, based on what we know now, and that's an important caveat, as an example of how a president or elected official should handle a matter in which they discover they're in possession of documents.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You, you know, my theory on this, Brandon, at first I had two theories and one i thought maybe they're putting these documents out here so that uh the attorney general won't uh charge donald trump because the same thing happened uh to to biden and then when the second batch of documents came out that's when my conspiratorial mindset came in and i saw this as sabotage. This is just a slow, slow drip of trying to uh, weaken Biden and 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 drive him out of the presidency. Look, when it came to the Trump documents, the National Archives knew that Trump had those documents and they went back and forth in court, not of court, trying to get those documents. To my understanding, the National Archives had no idea that Joe Biden had these documents in his possession. And it's just curious to me as why His people would come forward saying he has these documents, especially when Jim Jordan is going to be investigating him and his son's uh, computer about their shady business dealings. It it seems like self-sabotage, not self-sabotage, it seems sabotage to me, because if you remember uh, before the red wave, There was a lot of talk about Joe Biden and replacing him, and he got kind of a reprieve because the red wave wave didn't happen. But Joe Biden is still cognitively declining Uh, his presidency. uh, the, The people don't have a lot of confidence in it. And as I said, I think this is the Democratic deep state maneuvering to get him out of there.
1: You said the National Archives had no idea that Joe Biden had these documents. Do you think Joe Biden mm-hmm. had any idea what was going on? But really, if you were if you were a betting person, you think we've seen the end of this trickle of documents or you think, you know, the, the investigation will turn up more?
3: I don't know. You know, I was. You know, it's been a couple of days since we've had uh, more come out. Um, I would. Ex- I don't know. Honestly, don't know. I would. I don't think this is over. To be honest with you, I think we're going to see some more documents um, come trickling, trickling out. But uh, who knows?
0: We're going to post a dashboard on our websites, ninety three nine the eagle dot com, kwos dot com, so that every time there's another batch. That comes across. (laughs) We add it to the scoreboard like, like CNN did with the COVID uh, numbers. By the way, the, uh, the, the opinion piece has been picked up by the Miami Herald and newspapers nationwide regarding the number of black people that are.